listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lane. And I'm Isaac. And we've got Isaac in our hotel. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> now it's an Isaac app. He's on the mic. It's a hot mic. And in your head. And uh, we had to get Isaac on because of the meat spills. Oh, yes. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure why, but I just get a very Isaac vibe from the sight <laughs> of hundreds of kilos of chicken breasts being spread across a, a highway. <laughs> Just a decomposing pile of of rotten uh, rotten flesh. It's just the way to summon him. I mean, the previous episodes where he's just sort of like chipped in with a couple of little points. It's because I dropped a piece of salami on the street in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that that does work. Yeah. I just think it's interesting that in today's interconnected economy. There's always someone who specialises in a job, and there's definitely a small but elite unit of people who deal with road meat. <laughs> <laughs> they got a ute, there's a big fork in the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked. It's just, if anyone has missed the news, this is the, like, is it the second time in a fortnight or a week? Yeah, uh, the second time in a week. There was seven days between them. So it's like, fuck. if you're looking, if a week is a Monday to Sunday, then it's across two weeks. But no, it's one week, two meat spills. No, it's within yeah. seven days, two different trucks overturned on two different highways or overturned, spilt their contents, which was Two different meat. types of meat. Me- <laughs> it's very important to make that point. This is the second type of meat that we've spilled in a week. What's yeah, it's not, it's not like chicken is inherently unstable as a transported meat and that, like, you know, just, like, throws truck truck drivers off like cement. Um, but just there's been, like, the photos that have come out are properly grotesque. Like, <laughs> the thing I keep thinking about is the people that were behind the truck right as it all sort of happened – just trying to make that calculus as a driver of like, is this like floodplain rules or is this like, like mm. what would happen? Do not <laughs> drive through the burger. <laughs> Cars can float in only an inch of burger. But who, also, who do you call for that? Like, we, like the presumably- guys. <laughs> the elite unit of Isaac. It's yeah. like the, the, whatchamacallit, the wolf from Pulp Fiction. It's just like a guy who, like, you call him, he doesn't even say anything. Like, he's just like, I'm on my way. <laughs> like, I'd like the idea that, you know, the fire brigade come and just spend a lot of time hosing it into a gutter. And it just goes down <laughs> into our waterways. Just packs of wild dogs. I mean, it has been hot enough this week that uh, that the meat would just cook on the tarmac. Yeah, so that's you the could... thing. You, you don't call the, the fixer. You just call a bunch of hungry boys. Yeah. <laughs> you just put it on the Good Karma Network. Be like... <laughs> If you say something's free on there, it will go. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely people that made arguments, probably just to themselves, um, of just like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down there and scrape <laughs> off the meat that's cooked to the to the ground, obviously. Mm. But there's surely a layer on top that's mostly untouched, and if I get there quick enough, surely <laughs> it'll stay good. I just like the idea of posting it on the Good Karma Network and getting absolutely roasted because it's not vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Andrews at a press conference, shirt sleeves rolled up. I shouldn't have to. Can't believe I'm having to say this, guys. If you see road meat, do not eat the meat. We've got to keep each other safe. Do not eat. If one of your mates is going to eat the meat off the road, just tell him not to. But in the broader context of everything that's been happening in the world, too, it really is like cosmically funny and cosmically fucked that like truck drivers are some of the most crushed underneath the like Omicron wave and the just the, the pandemic in general. We rely on them to keep all these supply chains going. And as we all know, supply chains are fucked right now. And one of the main things that's fucked at the moment is meat supply to the supermarkets. Coles and Woolworths have bare shelves, just like toilet paper, uh, at least up in Queensland. They've had to put like a, a limit of... I think it's one or two packets of sausages per customer, which is just fucked. Like, just, I want me sausages! when there's so much of it going for free on the road. <laughs> you can pick up more meat on the way to the supermarket. <laughs> but, like, the panic buying of, like, nine kilos of sausage and, like, packing out your freezer, that'll be fine, but then putting way too much in the fridge and it goes bad and you're still eating it anyway, like Homer and his sandwich. <laughs> like, oh. Just chill out Why with the meat. Why is that more disgusting to me than eating the bunch of roadkill meat? <laughs> but then, so, but it's like, it's just 
of all, like it's it is just that fucking. This is the last thing we wanted to have happen. Like <laughs> supply chains are down and no one can get meat. Oh no, what's that? It's just the truck with the meat. No. For a second, I thought you were going to suggest that it's a little bit of industrial sabotage. Like, right. I mean, truckers need better working conditions. So yeah, I'm just going to spill a bit of meat. Yeah. <laughs> just pull the meat lever on the highway. Can't hurt the negotiations. It was because a kid was driving the truck. Mm. <laughs> That's the problem. That's a bit of foreshadowing. Ah, uh, the little bloody callback foreshadowing. Callback to the week that was foreshadowing to the ep that will be. Forward <laughs> sizzle on the tarmac. <laughs> I like the idea that everything that we talk about is a callback. <laughs> this news. When you're watching the news, it's all callbacks. Yeah. News readers like dropping very serious lines, but then giving a look to the camera like, huh? Uh, are you smart enough to get it? Does that make you feel good, you little dopamine piggy? Is that good? <laughs> History really is just a series of callbacks when you think about it. <laughs> Scott yeah, Morrison has foreshadowed an election. Watching the news just being like, oh, this is a nod to the real extended universe. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Shakespeare say that? It's all callbacks under the sun. There you go. Uh-huh. Yeah. All the world's an extended universe and all the, all the people are callbacks. Is the- uh, this is stupid as fuck. Let's do some news. <laughs> <laughs> It's the economy and you're stupid. Uh, That's the catchphrase of all of our politicians on both sides of the aisle, all major parties, everyone in there. Um, The economy is the single most important thing in the entire universe. And if you don't understand that fact, you're a fucking idiot. A bunch of things over the last, I'll I'll say over the last 30 years and then over the last two (laughs) years specifically, and then especially the last two weeks, it's become egregious. All of these politicians just keep referring to every single measure they can take, every all the reasoning for their ideas and everything is just about the economy. Mm. Holy shit. So we've talked in a, uh, previous episodes about how the unions need to stop making fucking hashtags for things and start threatening to go on strike properly and go on strike for the safety of workers. Josh Frydenberg decided to get out ahead of this and he donned an ill-fitting helmet and some high-vis that has never been worn before and got out into a video and was just like, oh, oh, there's, there's I, I really hope the unions aren't thinking about doing this because everyday Australians will suffer. There's no place for a strike like this in the pandemic because this industrial action will threaten the economy. Hang It'll on. impact mums and dads because the economy, Lang, the economy... He- but he just said everyday Australians. He didn't say the... He said everyday Australians would suffer and then he, he somehow just segued into the economy. But those are two separate things. Well, no, no, Lang. Everyday, everyday Australians are impacted by only the economy ever. It's only the economy, mate. Is everyday Australians like 100% Aussie beef? Like, <laughs> I'm issue an important correction as well, Mitch. He isn't actually wearing a, a, a hard hat there. That's just what his head looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Suck shit, Frydenberg, you're gone. Get his ass, Isaac. Um, <laughs> but, like, it just, it, that was weird to me because he didn't even mention, like, little treats like they did uh, before Christmas when the um, the wolves were going on strike again against Patrick's. Uh, couldn't even mention, like, the food supply issue. Like, people are freaking out, like I said, about their meats um, mm. and couldn't even mention that. It was always the economy. Unless you think it's a, you know, Josh Frydenberg, Liberal Party, Conservative talking point the alp have been running this line about fucking make rat tests free you got to make them free through medicare because it'll help the economy the economy needs free rat tests don't don't give a fuck about you and your family getting sick they don't care about you trying to protect strangers in your community it's about the it's about the economy you dumb fucks is always the undertone Get back to work. It's the same as Chris Bowen talking about climate change. Yeah. As, as like, oh, you know, obviously we need to, uh, you know, act on climate urgently for the sake of Australia's economy. Just constantly coming back to that. Yeah, for our farm profitability and farm jobs. I think it's not that they don't care about it. I mean, obviously they don't care about us. <laughs> but they've forgotten that that other people don't care about the economy. Other people actually have shit they care about. If... They're like, how do we appeal to the voters? Surely they love the economy, our God. Well, this is what (laughs) I was going to, like, ask, is that, like, I think when things are going well, quote unquote, when the majority of the people in a Western nation have a relatively comfortable life, 
we are still always looking for some sort of problem and issue and scary thing, and the media are always giving us scary things to, to look at. And so, without there being, like, flashpoint things like, you know, a, a war or whatever, people are like, oh, yeah, the economy, that is what I'm worried about. I am worried about this, you know, future scenario where, I don't know, inflation sucks and I can't afford my house or my groceries, even though I can right now. But it does seem pretty fucking tone deaf two years into a pandemic because I think people have started to go, economy, I give a fuck about the economy. I don't want to get sick. I don't want my family to get sick. I'm going to disagree. I don't think politicians or or the media uses the economy as a a thing to make up, uh, to make news. I think they use the economy to justify the bad stuff that they want to do. They say, ah, the economy so that we can you know, take away welfare from poor people or the economy so that we don't invest in trains or so that we don't tax the rich. Or We're doing these things for the economy, um, but they've forgotten that while they can use the economy as an excuse for bad stuff, they don't need to use it as an excuse for free rat tests. Albo doesn't have to justify, oh, I want to make free rat tests because, you know, free rat tests are good for people. They're good for health. He could just say they're good for people and health, but he's forgotten that that's a thing that he, sh- yeah. that he can care about. I think coming in with a sort of third take on this one, the it, it's it's classic neoliberalism, right? Mm. Where you, you even if you're a politician who cares a lot about the well-being of people in your country, right? Yeah, you must how be do new. you measure that? How do you measure how well people are doing? Like, do you do a survey that's just like how happy are you one to ten, and you send that out once a week? You know, and if it comes back with an eight or a nine, you're feeling pretty good. If it comes back with a three or a four, you're like, oh fuck, people are sad. The economy mm. to a neoliberal is the best and most accurate measure of how people are doing. If totally. the economy's smashing it, we can infer from that big number that that number is shared evenly. It means that like people can afford food, they can afford rent, the people are wealthy, that's good. And if the economy's being bad, that means that people are starving and they're going without medicine and they're struggling to make rent. Obviously, if you look outside for like half a second, you can be like, the economy can be going as gangbusters as you want. People will be missing mm-hmm. out on food, medicine, shelter. Yeah. But when you're a neoliberal, you say the economy is the well-being of people. The well-being of people is the economy. It's not that they're talking about one instead of the other. It's the in their fucking yeah. horrible demon heads are <laughs> the same thing. We are currently in a situation where the where the government is forcing people into a position where the economy is their well-being mm. because uh, because government supports for isolation for yeah. for testing for everything like that have been have been chopped off at the head and so everyone you know so, so if if you want to get a rat test then then and and keep yourself and your family and and the people around you safe there is a one to one relationship between how rich you are and how mm. able you are to access that yeah, because mm-hmm. like the the big thing was, oh, can't do any more lockdowns. Gonna have to learn to live with the virus because we got to open everything up mm. for the economy. With mm. to your point, McLean, the extension of that being, we have to get the economy up and running again because how else will we provide healthcare for people if the economy is tanking? How else will we provide infrastructure and all that sort of stuff? Oh no, no, no! I'm 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 arguing something quite different. I'm saying that it's not the economy is the tool that they use to give the people the thing. The economy it, is the well-being. Oh no, no, I, I, I understand. It's I understand that as well. Number. The well-being is the economy. It's not the means by which we provide the, the well-being. It is the well-being. It is that too. That was the, that was their like Franken and and upfront reasons for reopening, which is why the reaction now is you can't have a healthy economy without healthy people. You should put healthcare first. I totally, I totally, I totally agree. You are hundred percent right. Is that they think that the health of the nation and individuals in it is measured by the economy for sure. And but then they are also trying to sell it to people as so therefore let's get the economy going yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. you all agree with me and as and as we have seen now it doesn't fucking work like that <laughs> neo neoliberalism has never passed a single fucking test the only tests that can pass are the ones it can throw fucking money at like whenever the reality hits it it never holds up it never the market never fucking regulates itself fucking it, it never works except for when they can either enforce it with more money or fucking weapons <laughs> it's just such a joke. It's carrying over a mentality from like I- I'm gonna say like 300 years ago, where they were like 
the way that a business works is this. You provide a good quality service to the people, and the people like the service, and then you make a profit because the people like the service. And we can look, and the businesses that are profitable are the ones that are providing a good quality service, and the ones that are not are the ones that suck. Profit equals good. No profit equals bad. And now we've got, like, Amazon, which is, like, we're just directly extracting the well-being from the veins of all of our workers and the just any taxpayer in America, and we're just turning that directly into gold and, and saying that's our profit. And people are like, wow, they must be providing such a good quality service. Look at how profitable they are. Yeah. You've got bitcoins, which just don't do anything but their right. money. So they must be good, I guess. I just don't understand them. They must be good. It's the same thing with, like, fucking Australia Post here. This is, this is my constant bug. Oh, yeah. But, like, you know how Australia Post is just constantly... <laughs> the, by All of the sort of junk mail that I get <laughs> is from the post office being like, Hey, mate, notice you had a mailbox. Why don't you use that to say, maybe you wanted to buy a USB stick. Maybe you wanted to buy a little girl's toy. Maybe you wanted to buy a printer. Maybe you wanted to buy a photo frame. I'm like, what? Wh- why? Like, well, we've got to be profitable so that the government thinks that we're doing well. Mm. It's like, why is the post office meant to make a profit? Why aren't we saying, how many packages and letters did you deliver? That's the only metric. It's like if you, 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 because it's a, it's part of a, the, the functioning of our society. Yeah. Like, let's split this off, call it a separate thing, and then mm. expect that separate thing to make a profit. It's like if you were running a business and you're like, ah, oh, you know, we've got to fire the receptionist because the reception department isn't making a profit. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. You, you joke, McLean. Um, I have been part of businesses where they've, some departments have had to justify their existence based yeah. on bringing in money, where it's oh, like, hang on, well, but now yeah. the value we provide is not a monetary one. Um, and I think the the quote that sums up your earlier point is the thing that you measure is the yes. thing that you value. Yes. If yeah, the only totally. number that you measure is the economy, then that's your only little little meter and you go, oh, economy up, that's good, economy down, that's bad. Well, if we had a second number, which was the happiness of the median child or our, you know, social well-being of our communities, and you could be like, oh, no, when the economy goes up, that one goes down. Hmm, well, maybe I am we need the to happiness fix of the median child is just, like, within one month is going to end up with one kid with so many fucking toys. <laughs> uh, no, but then they're no longer the median child, McLean, you see. I just, I, I am thinking about, to your point, McLean, of, like, how many fucking businesses now have automated, like, telephone services where I just have yeah. to, like, speak to a robot and push buttons and it's always going, sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, ah, fuck! But now, you know, the phone services are at least not a money drain as much as they were when I could talk to a human being who could help me instantly. Or when those 737s were falling out of the sky because they cut corners yeah. in Boeing's engineering department, um, but they were more profitable. Yeah. Uh, speaking of 300 years ago, McLean, just just to loop back on that one. Um, the big story this week. <laughs> Asterisk, I don't know any history. I'm so bad. Was that World War II? <laughs> <laughs> McLean is doomed to repeat so much every day. It's just uh-huh. embarrassing. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm the reason that we're repeating history. <laughs> McLean right now me. is repeating the Renaissance, which is actually kind of cool. But so... The the big story that sort of captured everyone's imagination, at least for like a day, which was fun to watch the news cycle, was uh, Scott Morrison coming out and trying to appear like he's taking this whole thing seriously by getting into what he called the fine-grained details of the, the, the National Cabinet meetings and to show how serious he's taking it and how he's looking at every single thing that could be done and the smallest little manoeuvres could be done. For instance, I mean, we're even discussing maybe letting children get forklift licences and drive forklifts. <laughs> children! Yeah, if... If we gave the median child a forklift, they'd probably be pretty pretty tough with that. We would go through a lot of median children. <laughs> so this is you've probably seen a bunch of reasons why this is fucking stupid, but like forklifts are extremely dangerous. I've driven I think that's the one, main one. I've driven one like twice. And the way that they move just is fucked. Like, I think they have to Mm. move like that to be able to get around a warehouse. But they're fucking terrifying. Mm. And, uh, like, I would go ahead and say that, you know, 
18 as a cutoff at the moment. Because that is the thing, is that it's 18 at the moment and they were saying, maybe we could bring it down to 16 and, and that'll help. Obviously, the supply chain issues and the shortage of workers, we could get younger people into warehouses. And like... Even at 18, it's like, oh, we have to sort of call a cutoff at some point. Mm. But I wouldn't mind it being, you know, just fucking 35-year-olds with 10 years of wear, like floor experience <laughs> before you can work at a, you work on the forklift. Right. Before you're the main component of a forklift license is not being able to drive a forklift. It's having had to jump out of the way of a forklift, <laughs> least, you know, X hundred times. Or at least, <laughs> okay, like, okay. you should be a forklift co-pilot for a while. Like, you, like, they should have a little seat on the back and you sit with someone who who's been driving one for a decade, like in an aeroplane. And you like, you know, you just have Bazo being like, yeah, fucking don't want to do that, do you? Take an arm off. (laughs) (laughs) The main thing about being qualified to drive a forklift, I think, is not having something to prove. Not trying to be a cool guy. (laughs) (laughs) I want 35-year-olds with two kids who've given up on having a fun time at work. No, for real, though, because you can make them spin around and do cool shit. You don't want a 16-year-old on that. But Mm. so, so everyone obviously was like, Morrison, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, the unions got on Twitter and made some posts. They posted through it, as is their fucking uh, want to do in the last few months. Very disappointing. Um, but the thing that I saw lacking in all of the coverage of this was that Morrison slipped in how this was a suggestion from industry. Mm. This is just, we're taking everything on board, we're listening to everyone, and industry floated the idea of maybe we give forklift licences to children, which needs to be, I think, talked about more, especially in the context of Josh Frydenberg coming out and saying, oh, we can't have unions going on strike and it's too much of a risk, blah, 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 because unions fought against child labor specifically mm. <laughs> they 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 constantly go into places that have shit ohs and shut them down and force bosses to fix the place up and that's always seemingly like oh unions are going in and 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 building places back up to where they should be but this story if it's true that industry has come to Scott Morrison and said oh let's just waive the 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 age restrictions on on forklifts that is proof that bosses would love to get back to a 1700s-style workplace. They would love to regress. I, I honestly believe that the majority of bosses in this country, the Western world, would fucking love to get rid of the weekend proper, would love to get rid of sick leave, would love to get rid of like the 40-hour working week and bring it back to fucking 60 or 80 hours like they still do. Oh, it'd be great for the economy. Can you imagine the gains? It, it does seem like a pretty bold-faced attempt to reduce wages and protections for workers. I yeah. think that there's 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 industry and there's industry, though. Like, I mean, when yes. something's a suggestion from the industry and, like, we're sort of taking Scott Morrison's word for it that mm. it's not just his own thought bubble, which is, yeah. you know, who knows? Mm. Also like, possible. A suggestion from the industry could be the peak body of forklifts and warehouses had their, you know, AGM and they passed a motion that said we, we want 16-year-olds. Or it could be one of his mates has, you know, a couple yeah. of business interests in some warehouses yeah. and over lunch was like, I reckon we get some kids on it. That'd, that'd you know, free things up. <laughs> Literally and everyone- Both things are Scott Morrison being like, there's a suggestion from industry and I'm going to act on it because I yeah. look out for my mates. Literally everyone at Scott Morrison's barbecue is industry. Yeah. Or business owners or concerned parties. Or it's the cricket team forced to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Which I still love. It, it's it's like Mitch, if you and I had a conversation and then I described something as like the left thinks this. It's yeah. like well <laughs> what, Yeah, was it was it you and Lang having a chat before that or was this at the like the wobblies meeting? Okay, I always see that on Twitter as these takes being like, Oh, you know, the, the left or the right think this, but the left or the right also think this. That's like you look. You're talking about two different people. You're mad about. <laughs> just give us a name. <laughs> but I think. I think as well. Like, even if this is just Scott Morrison's like brain fart, as it was later described, and because this was rejected really fucking quick, <laughs> thrown out unanimously by National Council. <laughs> so children on forklifts, everyone in the room, no. <laughs> and then he went out and being like. So National Council and I have agreed not to do the children on forklifts thing. But like, regardless, like it, it's it's either his mates or it's a consortium of bosses or it's just our prime minister trying to put forward this idea of weakening child labour. And my 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 main point with this is just that we cannot take these things for granted, and I mm. think we have a really hard time as, you know, leftists, unionists, whatever, of understanding how fragile things still are. 
We take things for granted and we really don't need to because, like like I said in the, at the start of 2020, they will not waste this pandemic as an opportunity to ruin labour laws and to make things more in the image that they want it to look like. It's an interesting one because we do allow child labour. Like, mm. you know, obviously yeah. we've got you know 14-year-olds working at McDonald's and, you know, cafes and stuff. I don't, like, that's all over the place, especially like some family businesses and stuff. You'll see they're just like, oh, I'm being served by a kid right now. This is weird. Yeah. Um, that, that's like the sort of the expansion of like, let's get them on forklifts as well is... Oh, it's it's kind of child labor, but I think the point is not like uh well, a point is certainly sixteen year olds should not have to have jobs, but mm. some are forced into jobs by they need to provide for their family, or they just some want a bit of pocket money or their parents think that they should know what the experience of a job is or whatever. Like that's one thing, but there's also like the fact that forklifts are just extremely dangerous machinery. Like it would be like like Scott Morrison saying, like, oh, I reckon we should lower the crane license on building sites. To, to be 16. It's like, mm. you, you don't want, you know, people with something to prove, people who are going to fuck around on dangerous machinery. There's the, the child labour thing, but children are labouring. This is just oh, yeah, Scott yeah, yeah. Morrison and industry just, I think, massively underestimating how dangerous forklifts are. Or how much people care. It is that thing of, like, it's just the creeping expansion. This sounds like it's coming out of nowhere, but you're 100% right, is that we still do have kids working shitty jobs and for shitty reasons that they shouldn't be. But, like, this was, like, just a jump too far. But mm. I, I think I think it does speak to the to the idea that they will keep fucking trying this. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. But, and, 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 like, you, I think it's malicious. I think they hate poor people. I've said it before. But also... Even just like neo lib pilled people will be looking at it like, yeah, it sounds like it's bad, but fuck, it the, the, will be more profitable if we did it. Yeah. And like people will always go to that. That's why you need to regulate capitalism if you have capitalism. Because <laughs> this, like bosses will just continue to go back to, oh, what if we just had slaves, but fuck, that'd be mm. good. It's because you only have the one number and putting kids on forklifts makes that number go up and the economy good. Um, but here's my galaxy brain take is Australian industries and businesses already rely on, you know, under 18 year olds driving forklifts and kids operating heavy equipment. They just don't do it in Australia. They just outsource that to China or Indonesia. And so we go, Uh oh, you guys are making my playstations with kids on forklifts sick. That makes them cheaper. Send them this way. Whereas if we could do that in Australia and have underpaid kids on forklifts, we'd also save on shipping. So <laughs> fucking crazy thing where it's like I remember being a kid and hearing about you know oh such and such company got caught using sweatshop labor and and there's like you know this is a news item and now it's just like which companies are using sweatshop labor oh all of them mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Just just all of them, hey? We just sort of at some point decided that, like, oh, well, look, it's been years. We haven't solved the problem. So, I guess that means we're okay with the problem. Mm. And we're not even going to talk about it anymore. Look, we've got to learn to live with the slavery. Slavery's here to stay. <laughs> it's just part of the society now. <laughs> well, they also do things where they rename it deliberately. Like, you know, they call it, like, you know, the the criminal rehabilitation work centre out in fucking jails and WA and shit. <laughs> like they do that. Or they or they what's happening with Nestle and, and Mars and whatnot at the moment where like, oh it's not our company, it's a third party that outsources to another company that's somewhere in our blind spot on the supply chain. Mm. We didn't know that you could get fucking four hundred million ton of coca for seventeen cents that uses child labor. How are we oh. supposed to know? But look over here, the green M M&M M isn't sexy anymore. Oh, this is <laughs> bullshit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impotent and angry. She's still sexy. She just went through lockdown. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> She's just in trackies. Yeah, why would she why would she wear heels? She's on Zoom calls all the time. No one can see. Who gives a fuck? Exactly. But look, look, it is very hard for someone like Nestle to to confirm that all of their supply chain is being run well like like you expect them to just say oh we've got we've got verification that everything is done with you know well paid above age people they're like we can't verify that half these people are in the jungles and have <laughs> no internet have and their any entire idea how difficult country. it is 
to verify that there's no slavery in your ch- in your supply chain without shutting down your entire supply chain. <laughs> I mean, we don't even we know where it. most of our supply chain is. <laughs> Every time we look, there's slaves there and we have to shut it down. It's so difficult. So- and you're like, if you don't know where your entire supply chain is at and half of it's in a war-torn part of the world, then maybe your supply chain is by default bad. <laughs> uh, I like my traits, though. All right. So, yeah, uh, schools in Victoria go back in a week by the time you hear this. It'll be in a couple of days because I assume you listen to this when it comes out. If you're listening to this several months later, schools already went out. Um, or didn't. A while back. Uh, Who knows? Schools come out soon and everyone in the Australian government seems to agree on the fact that this is something that we just cannot budge on. Day one. Term one, the kids are back in school. What about Omicron? Uh, yeah, it'll be fine, probably. <laughs> what about Omicron? Yeah. Like, it's spreading. <laughs> Open up schools isn't going to make a worse lag. Come on. <laughs> We've started from the position of schools are definitely going to open up, and then everything else is justifying that. There's no... How can we... When do we decide if it's safe enough? How can we make it safe enough? Is it okay for schools to open up? Nah. Step one, schools are going to be opening. Shut up. Step two, how do we make everybody okay with that? Yeah. I just thought it really, it really is like schools are opening up on this date. And so we may or may not do what we can until then. But like, yeah, the entire plan is based on that date of reopening and you'll get what mm-hmm. you're given in terms of safety after the fact. Which makes you wonder, why are schools opening up? Everyone will give you a different answer, but it's the economy, stupid. Uh, And and Scott Morrison um, and friends have basically said, if if schools were not to open, the peak furloughing of the workforce due to COVID absenteeism could rise from 10 to 15%, which would have a devastating effect on the economy. I love a bit of COVID absenteeism. Just, just, oh, <laughs> yeah. Also, calling oh, it yeah. that. Fuck you. Fuck What's off. That? COVID, COVID absenteeism. COVID naughtiness. You fucking, you scallywags taking time off for COVID. <laughs> COVID absenteeism is, I'm assuming, written on the front of someone dressed as a suffragette in an old timey political <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> ah, it's the grim <laughs> spectre of COVID absenteeism. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there you have it. We're we're putting kids back into school so that their parents can go to work. We all know this is why schools exist, um, because that's what happened last pandemic. Um, and everyone went, "Wow, this is fucked." Uh, the kids aren't learning anything, but you know, parents aren't working, and it turns out our entire economy is built on keeping kids out of the way until they can drive a forklift. Uh, I'm which, which, I'm still I mean, it, baffled it, it, by COVID absenteeism. <laughs> <laughs> that's- well, what, what that is, is. Is that the, the, the practice, the ideology that you shouldn't go to work when COVID positive? Is that? <laughs> well, I think that is a, com- a combination of things. That's if your kids aren't at school, you can't work as effectively. If your kids aren't at school, you can't actually leave them at home if they're under, like, you know, if they're eight. You can't go and work in the warehouse driving a forklift if you've got an eight-year-old who's not in school. So you're absent for various reasons. Why can't you, Lang? Just- Is it because it's dangerous? <laughs> yeah. it, it's because for good health and safety reasons and for the for our functioning society, people sometimes need to afford, uh, avoid problems, and that's bad for the economy. Right. So instead of doing a dangerous thing of leaving our kids, just imagine if the narrative was like, we're not reopening schools, just leave your kids at home for the economy. Like, that's also proposing an <laughs> irresponsibly dangerous activity for the purpose of the economy. But imagine if somebody fucking said that. Just mm. come on. Luckily, we have a state-sponsored daycare system for all the businesses so their workers can go in and work. Um, <laughs> and we've called it a school. Now, they're not going to be learning a lot because friggin' the world is fucked right now. Your <laughs> teachers are all like, what the hell? But the New South Wales Premier and the Victorian Premier have both said, we're going to do it. This is going to be great. Every student will get two rat tests a week. How the fuck is that going to happen? I don't know. School opens in a week. Uh, so that is, that is one week to get every school in the state, in several states, having enough rat tests for each student to have two a week and getting teachers set up to administer and register those. And I don't know if you've ever taught a class of 30 grade ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've administered the rat tests. 
Tomorrow we'll be starting on maths. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like it takes a good half hour to get them to sit down, let alone effectively administer a rat test. So I I had this thought before we recorded, and I want to ask you guys now. Just thinking back to at least how I was as a teenager in high school, uh, mm. fucking horrible. What mm-hmm. what do you <laughs> reckon worst. would be would be worse though? A class of thirty year one students or a class of thirty year ten students? Through the second year of the pandemic. <laughs> I, Depends what ooh, you're doing. They're I, both like, really ad- bad. Administering rat tests. Mm. Like, I, 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 I'm just wondering mm. if a class of 30 is not optimistic. Like, surely we also, have class yeah. size problems as well. <laughs> yeah, it was 30 when I was in high school and people were like, it's too many kids. It's probably like 65 now is yeah, the average It's 65, class but also, you know, like... Mrs. Henderson is off because she's got COVID, so we'll mm-hmm. be joining in with grade 4A as well today. So there's Fucking actually 130 of us. Yeah. Well, luckily, <laughs> um, a lot of the kids also have COVID, and so you lose a bunch oh, of kids and you lose a bunch oh, of that's teachers. A, that's a bright side. But then you're back to square one with COVID adds some teaism. Exactly. <laughs> but then as more kids and teachers get sick, we just have to make sure that keeps pace. Um the problem is that these kids sometimes live with other people, like adults or old people um, from different different parts of, of the city. Um, and so now you've taken one kid from every suburb nearby, put them all in a classroom, um, and then you send them home again at the end of the day. But this is not a household environment, so it does not count as a close contact. Oh, yeah, that's right. They've changed it to that. Yeah, did you spend... I mean, yeah, when, you, when that kid gets home... And you've got four hours in a home with a kid that turns out to have COVID. That counts as a close contact. And I reckon Scott Morrison and the rest of them are slapping their foreheads like, oh, why didn't we think of getting rid of that as a close yeah. contact? Shit! That, that, uh, I've good news for you, uh, Mitch. That Ooh, is ooh, yep. an education contact and uh, is under different rules. Fuck off! No, are you serious? Yeah. yeah. No! An education contact because you mm-hmm. weren't away with COVID absenteeism. <laughs> Fuck off! With the management speak from these cunts. God damn it, an education yeah. contact. And also- Different type of COVID. We have to remember that Omicron is a mild disease that we understand very, very well the long-term impact of in children <laughs> because it's been around for oh, a good month now. <sighs> um, and, and there were 14 mild deaths in Victoria today. Fuck um, hell, <laughs> I- I would. I, I just also want to talk about really briefly the fact that the the government was talking about like um, providing incentives for retired teachers to like uh, get oh, yeah. back into it. Mm-hmm. Which I was talking to my parents uh, the other day who are both retired teachers, and they were just like, "No, mm-hmm. <laughs> have, absolutely have they... not." The same reaction from National Cabinet to forklift drivers being yeah. sixteen. <laughs> no, and and from me having looked at Twitter. Mm. Yeah, and the retired <laughs> teachers on there. <laughs> <laughs> just th- not just like, hey, by the way, it's going to be way worse than when you were teaching. Yeah. Just like bigger class sizes, worse conditions, huge exposure risk to you, a seventy-year-old. Like, <laughs> just madness. But also the fact that, like, my mum was saying, I-, I haven't taught in ten years. The curriculum has changed. Mm, I- yeah, has it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they do has. maths with Common Core now. Yeah, yeah maths yeah, is weird. very different. Maths is completely different now. Cool. Well, I'm glad maths is different. They don't teach you to to, to carry the tens anymore. Yeah, yeah, they've they've gotten they've gotten rid of seven and division. That's another podcast. <laughs> I, I I listening to this entire story though, Lang. Really, like I am just looking at the numbers, and looking at the <sighs> economy, and just like children seem like they're the problem at the moment, don't they? Mm. What if we just well, yeah? What if we just get rid of children for like? 10 years and then the economy can stabilize but i have no one to like our workers won't need to stay home for any reason because they won't have kids anymore yeah and the economy gets back on track kids are the problem i've been saying this. oh it's like a sort of lord of the flies come boarding school Mm. yeah hell yeah let's just all send them to tassie all the kids they can just have tasmania (laughs) and tasmania can come here things are fine (laughs) since the dawn of the industrial revolution the economy has searched for a way to deal with the problem of children because (laughs) here's the thing there's small people who are useless at work and normally we look at small people who are useless at work and go just let them die but the problem is you can't Mm -hmm. do that with children because they grow up into workers so you can't just let them die like we would with other people who can't work um you've got to put them somewhere safe 
for 18 years until they can drive a forklift. Ah, oh, it's ah uh, such a pain. I just thought of a I just thought of a guy, I just thought of a dad who takes the like children are an investment way too literally. But that's what the economy does But they're they're not a good investment that you have to foster They're more like a pog that you just put in a cupboard And wait and hope for the best Like an NFT Like an (laughs) NFT Children are NFTs, you heard it here So our schools are currently in the dump phase of pump and dump Um, (laughs) And so you've got just... Obviously, schools are not going to pull this off. You've got the premiers saying things like, oh, but that's okay. School opens after the wake has, the, the wave of Omicron has the crested. <laughs> um, because they're, they're looking at the wave currently, which has gone up and now it's, it's stabilized. Maybe it's coming back down. Maybe Omicron cases are starting to go down. Now let's send everyone back to school when, yeah. the, when the cases are at their top but have started to come I, I, down. I, I, I think that maybe you didn't do common core math, Lane, because you see the R is below zero. The R is below zero. And that's a property of the disease, not a property Mm. of the society. The R is dipped below zero, which means that Omicron, the, you know, consciousness that is our enemy, Mm. has finished. That natural passive force of nature that we can't affect at all. And so now we can start spitting into each other's mouths again. Yeah. Because it's safe. (laughs) That was my favourite memory from school. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, they do do that I forgot that schools are also unhygienic <laughs> I, w- I want to leave one more thing about schools um, And this is related to the kind of bullshit teachers are going to have to go through And if you if you look at the news from like America or England They're like, the schooling system is on fire for exactly these reasons um, <laughs> But not literally on fire We're not talking about climate change this episode well, um, But Imagine having a grade full of year 10s who normally in in a non-end times year uh, would be like, are we ever going to use any of this English stuff? How is any of this relevant to my life? And you're like, nah, it is definitely because when you go out there, you're going to have to know, you know, conjugations. Um, now imagine teaching that class full of year 10s in the end times where they're like, yeah, but my whole family has COVID and also the government clearly doesn't care about us and climate change is really bad and the school clearly doesn't care about you and why are we here trying to come up with an answer that will satisfy them? You can't because there isn't one because they're right. <laughs> yeah, shut yeah. up and read your Margaret Margaret Atwood. Like, oh, you you have to lie and be like, it's fine, you should be here so your parents can work for the economy. But we're not just... Young bodies to be sent over the top into the meat grinder uh, of World War One, and it's like, aren't you though? <laughs> oh well, you know, you know what though, Lang. You say this, and I'm kind of thinking that like maybe the younger they learn that, the better it'll be for union retention rates. Like if we start hitting, <laughs> our, if we start hitting the year eights with like, you know, your parents have shoved mm. you in here to get sick so they can go to work for a boss. Maybe we can start fostering just like, oh, fuck you then, really early. You are 100% right. And that's the part of the curriculum that hasn't changed enough. Because try finding that in the uh, in the Vic curriculum. It's not there. <laughs> if you're a teacher listening to this, scrap the lesson plan, scrap the curriculum, mm. just teach radical Marxism. Yeah. I mean, yes. like you already are, but I mean, do it a bit more. <laughs> oh, wink, wink. What are they going to do? Fire you? Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to get my mum to become a teacher at the moment. Come on, you'll be fine. Also, have all your lessons outside. Like, the best part of school was when you could, like, oh, let's have an outside lesson. Fuck it, just do it. Every school has footy ovals and stuff. It's 34 degrees, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> Find some shade. They'll be right. Kids bounce back. They can suffer heat stroke. It's fine. They don't make schools of trees anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> So this Saturday, a friend of the show, uh, Christina (laughs) Kirsch-Keneally, wrote an editorial for The the Australian, uh, also a friend of the show. Uh, (laughs) Just The Australian. Yeah. Our our favourite, favourite, favourite Murdoch rag, The Australian. (laughs) And um, luckily for us, she also tweeted it out, so uh, we don't have to get past the paywall. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, she, she wrote. So this is Christi, Christina Kirkshire Keneally, uh, Australia's uh, shadow home affairs minister, basically making her pitch for for uh, how the the a future a future Labor government uh, would be would be uh, tougher on borders than than the Liberals can be. <laughs> oh, uh, cool, that's what we want. So she, yeah. 
so so using uh using um our tennis tennis friend uh, uh Djokovic <laughs> as, as a framing show. device she uh she she states uh if if someone with Djokovic's uh, notoriety was able to attain a visa just imagine how many unvaccinated others uh my my uh uh focus on that That's uh, a direct flying, un- quote. flying under the radar have entered Australia or will soon touch down here. Jesus Christ. <sighs> it is worth <laughs> focusing on that term, unvaccinated others. Like, mm. it's not a raci- <laughs> it's not a racist term explicitly, but like she could have said how many other unvaccinated people. But even call then. them that's what I'm saying. Even yeah. then that's bad. But to just go so brazenly or this is the thing I was thinking of. Most charitably, I could see it being like some fuckhead's like editor brain being like, well, what's the most efficient way I could say that? Like other unvaccinated people, three words. Unvaccinated others, two words. Symbolism and connotations don't matter. I'm a writer. Like <laughs> fucking that is also, so vile. If we're gonna pick apart these words, flying under the radar. Yeah. Uh, Christina Kershakanilli mm-hmm. has also uh, uh, focused her ire on uh, plain. Plain people, mm. uh, yeah. when when talking about how how the liberals may have stopped the boats, but uh, but plenty they of plenty of undocumented people are arriving on planes and overstaying their visas. Are we checking for vaccinations when people come to Australia? Is that a thing we, we are? Do? Yes. So, that, yeah. so that so that's basically what the gist of this article is. Is is saying that that the the Morrison governments are. Our plan for checking all the vaccinations is is not strict enough, right. uh, and 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 how they need to ramp up the uh, ramp up border force to be able to really cope with oh. with the, uh, the the amount of arrivals that that people are uh, when when we start to open up more. Also, what's the logic going on here? If someone of Djokovic's notoriety was able to obtain a visa, just imagine how many people who didn't have any notoriety or money or power were were able Mm. to get in without a vaccine. No, he used that to get the visa. Mm. Oh, if Bill Gates could uh, afford a super yacht, (laughs) just imagine how many poor people are flying around in super yachts at the moment. (laughs) So her argument is that Djokovic was an an outspoken idiot. She does actually mention that... um, in one of his books or an interview or something, he mentions that he's gluten intolerant and he holds a piece of bread in one hand and feels his other hand go weak, which is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty That's pretty himbo dog-brained funny. I like yeah, that. That's pretty good. But so her argument is that someone at his level is like a notorious anti-vaxxer. And so she just throws away this line in the article. It's something like, why wasn't Djokovic just put on the movement alert list? As if that's a, like a, a fucking like, cool, normal thing for a country to have. It's just a watch list of like, what's he, what's he up to? Where's he going? What's he doing? Monitor him at all fucking times. And she's like, he should have been put on that list. Like he should have had- like, like he's because- a member of ISIS. <laughs> his whole, his whole, the, the whole article is based around this idea that uh, the borders are porous and Labor will be better on the borders because what Morrison's done is made sure that only border force- point of arrival are checking all these unvaccinated or these these vaccine statuses and whatnot and what should be happening is that it should be much more stringent before then and that's what labor would do is that they would make it a bureaucratic nightmare to even try to get to the to the to the country every unvaccinated person in the world should be on a watch list so uh, mm. this is this is my like little bugbear it's a small tangent i want to i want to make is that when we talk about christina kersha keneally uh th- constantly making dog whistle claims about immigrants and she's dog whistling racism and whatnot. Clearly something like unvaccinated others is a fucking, it's a dog whistle. It's the, the others. Ah, she you can, you yeah. can just say. You're not imagining Gwyneth Paltrow when she says that. Exactly. <laughs> and so, so the, you know, some people will look at that and be like, Oh, I get what, yeah, I get what you mean. But the cover is she can say, no, I'm just mean unvaccinated people. There's a whole section in this article which tries to reframe what she's saying as not racist and evil, and that is another part of the dog whistle, is like padding her bullshit with this stuff. So so the quote is that uh, if Morrison's approach is the new normal, friends and family of Australian citizens, tourists, skilled workers with government-issued visas could arrive in the country, then go through being turned away because the Morrison government didn't bother to check their vaccination status before they were issued a visa or got on a plane. 
with this framing of like, wouldn't it be tragic? Your, your, your uncle, who you haven't seen in two years, gets on a plane, gets all the way over here, and then is turned away? Oh, yeah, he just has that'd to be, be sent tragic. To offshore detention, which oh. my party invented. Don't worry about all the other horrible, evil, decrepit, craven shit I've said in my in my career. I'm concerned about your family. Also, and that's how a dog already, whistle works. This is already the issue with literally every other thing that you need to come to Australia, like a passport and shit. If you get on a plane and arrive to Australia and don't have a passport, you get turned away. That's like it's on you to kind of prepare the documents that you need to get into the country. So she's making a dumb point there by pretending this is only an issue with vaccines. That's it. It's not it's not even it's not even a point she I would say really believes in. It's <clears throat> it's, it's to give it's to give cover to the to the people whose vote she wants to get, who are the people being like Australia's being overrun. Yeah. The real point mm. that she wants to make is that foreigners bring disease. Yeah, and, and so she yeah. covers it. So, so yeah, and I think I think that's that's why this 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 article is worth talking about because I mean, Christina Kershaw-Keneally is like being racist is not a story, <laughs> but um, <laughs> newsflash. <laughs> but um, but I think I think it's 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 you know like like it's it's interesting because uh, because of what that dog whistle means. Um, Australia, we have an extremely high vaccination rate now. Like some, one of the highest vaccination rates in the world, mm. but that does not, uh, really line up with the rest of the world and especially our, uh, our Pacific neighbors who have quite low vaccination rates, um, through our own actions, partly. Yeah. Um, so, so just, just, just to give you, um, a, uh, just to give you an example, like, um, like in Australia, we have a, a vaccination rate of up to around, uh, 90 at the moment. Um, in, in Tonga, 61% of the, the, uh, the, the population are vaccinated. In Indonesia, 52% of the population are vaccinated. And Papua New Guinea, 2.5% of the population are vaccinated. That's far. Yeah. That's our closest neighbor. We have boats over there all the time. We could just put a big old pile of our spare vaccines, which we have, which we've told them we would help them with and haven't. Mm-hmm. On that boat, yeah. yeah, and so that that's something that's that's worth talking about. So Australia has actually been fairly generous in its announcements of how much vaccines it's going <laughs> to give uh, to to poorer countries. So um, so uh, we, we've pledged um, about sixty million doses uh, uh, of 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 uh, COVID vaccines to to uh, to to supply them to poorer countries, which like per capita puts us up um around uh like like it like uh in in wealthy countries that that's that puts us at like the second highest uh in 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 the amount in the amount we've pledged to to (laughs) give to poorer countries um per per capita at least um so generous beaten only by the united states however um We've only actually delivered eight percent of <laughs> Fuck those doses. Dead. Bloody love an announcement. We love. Yeah, an we, announcement. we love. We freaking love an announcement. This is the thing that I saw. Like I noticed the pattern form around me. Like when Neo can see through the Matrix. Like just this horrible realization that, especially under Scott Morrison, but it happened before. Scott Morrison loves making the big announcement and then never following through with even ten percent of it. And mm. like. As I started to go through the sort of list of it, like the bushfire support money, not a single dollar has gone out. The arts had this huge package that was promised to them by the federal government. Fuck all of that has gone out. The initial vaccine rollout was supposed to... Remember when we had like barely <laughs> 5% of the initial vaccines in the first month actually went out? Um, we did the same thing with our carbon emissions reductions. We said this huge big number and then we fucking didn't meet it at all. Uh, also paying France for their submarines. We didn't do barely any of that as well. It'd be easier to name things he has done. <laughs> but then, like, as, as, as Isaac just mentioned, um, there's this, there was this fund as well of, like, oh, we're going to give out all of our vaccines to, the, to, to poorer nations. We're going to help them do this. We did the exact same thing in our commitments to climate change. We, like, I think it was Turnbull actually signed us up for this, like, big package where all the wealthy nations put money into this big fund and then we send that to the nations that need help establishing renewable energies and, and all the rest of that sort of stuff. And when Scott Morrison won the leadership, he just went on some fuckwits radio show and just made this captain's call and was just like, ah, nah, we're not actually going to be putting money into that. Don't worry about it. Not going to do it. And like, we fucking love it because this is the extension of the, what's called the, you know, the media cycle of like, 
a big thing happens and the media print lies or they do whatever and this this the, the big furor starts, it happens positively as well. So a big good announcement is made and, oh, look at this number. And then when the correction comes out later, nah, it's not news anymore. No one gives a fuck. And Scott Morrison's just doing that with policy now, mm. foreign policy as well, international policy. Mm. Just, hey, do you guys want a hundred trillion bucks? I'll give it to you. Oh, we failed to deliver. Don't worry about it. Well, they don't even get to that point because after every press conference, half a week later, they just do the flashy thingy from Men in Black to the entire Australian (laughs) media. (laughs) And they rely on journalists never being able to connect something that's happening now with anything that's happened in the past <laughs> to form a pattern. Um, There's no, they this don't is have what objects permanent. This, this is the problem. When we had a supply shortage of journalists, we were like, maybe we should lower the age of journalist cadets. And we ended up with infants <laughs> who have no object permanence Scott in our press gallery. Like, I pledge as Prime Minister, I'm going to hold this football here for you, the Australian <laughs> people, to kick. This time, for real. And journalists go, wow, print it. Free football. <laughs> so, so speaking of supply shortages, I mean, part part of the reason why uh, we 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 failed to deliver so much is we've also we've also uh, like pulled uh, doses out of the supply that was supposed to go to to poorer countries. So there's this uh, there's this um, organization called Covax, which uh, is uh, a stockpile of of uh, COVID vaccine doses that are supposed to be donated by by wealthier countries. Um, and then, um, delivered to, to those poorer countries, which, which can't afford to buy them on the, on the, uh, the, the free market that we know and love. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, when, when, uh, when Australia decided that, um, that AstraZeneca was not a, uh, not, not the, the, the vaccine for us because of reasons, <laughs> uh, perfectly safe and healthy vaccine, industry, but you know. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> Uh, Australia pulled uh, 500,000 Pfizer doses from the the global vaccine sharing um, supply and uh, and uh, just gave them out to the population instead. Because we're just a small country. <laughs> we said we'd give these to you, but we didn't think we wanted them, and now we want them. <laughs> just going yeah, to COVAX exactly. hat in hand, being like, we're a small baby country, we need vac- <laughs> We're exactly like Papua New Guinea, please give. Please. Mm. It's a stockpile for people who need them. And after we threw out all of our AstraZeneca vaccines, we need them. <laughs> gimme, gimme. And, and so, so, um, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's interesting to talk, to, to talk about, uh, COVAX as well, because, um, one, one thing that Australia hasn't done with our, with our vaccine, uh, donations in quotation marks that we've, we've given to, uh, to, uh, to less wealthy nations, uh, is, is donate them to COVAX. Um, so, so COVAX is, is this kind of global initiative, which is supposed to take in, take in donations from all over the world and then supply them to the places where they're needed. Um, Australia has delivered zero, uh, vaccines to the, to the COVAX mm, system, which nice. it has actually pulled vaccines from. Um, all the vaccine <laughs> doses that we have, uh, we have delivered to, to poorer nations, uh, have been, uh, done under a, uh, just a bilateral agreement. So we've we've just gone to a nation and said, "Hey, here's uh, here's um, thirty thousand doses. Fuck. Do what you want with them." And wink, wink. Don't take any from China. Mm. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Everything's so, politics. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, Australia has completely ignored this 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 program um, and and is just using uh, just I mean like like China is doing. Uh, China has also completely ignored this program. Uh, uh, and they they've just been doing a bit of you know hey have some, hey have some vaccines uh, like us mm. better um, and so we're we're seeing we're seeing this this kind of cold war play out in in, in vaccine doses um, and just like just like the previous cold war um, the losers are the people stuck in the middle mm. like uh, like the people in Papua New Guinea who um, <clears throat> who are now currently under a a kind of uh, Cold War situation where, uh, where the, where there's, there's two vaccine tents on, on opposite sides of a parking lot. One, one <laughs> run by, run, one by the Chinese government and one run by the Australian government. The Chinese media is running, uh, articles saying that Australia is, uh, blocking the approval of, of their vaccines, uh, uh, in Papua New Guinea. And just as a reminder, 2.5% vaccination rate in Papua New Guinea. Mm. This is so grim. Hell. You've got countries like, I don't know Papua New Guinea's vaccine manufacturing capacity, um, but other countries in zero. similar... Sorry? I'd say zero. I'd say, well, probably not high. Uh, but other countries that do have vaccine manufacturing capacity, like India, who also need vaccines, 
are friggin' still tied into bullshit copyright things. Where it's like, <laughs> we could have all the vaccines we need in the world, all over the place, except people still got to make money. You got to have that economy number go up. Yeah, um, you think about the economy, Lang, though. If we just <laughs> gave it to everybody, then the profits would go down. Obviously, everybody would get vaccinated, but at but what, at what cost? cost? <laughs> <laughs> to and Pfizer. Is, at what cost to Pfizer? And this <laughs> is Australia's thing in general is, like, not only have we removed the concept of society and people helping each other in any way inside Australia, we're doing that on a global scale where... We, the only way we solve any problem is by shutting the borders and pretending we can do everything by ourselves, which we absolutely can't. Shutting the borders and then arguing amongst ourselves about who could shut it harder. Yeah. Fucking That's great. Also, fucking just that last point to hit about bringing it back to KKK writing for The Australian about how Peter Dutton's border policies are not monstrous enough is <laughs> the, the, the fact that she's speaking up about policy which the Labor Party's consistent line about everything is mm. we can't do that. We're running a small target election strategy. Uh-huh. Can we have, uh, 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 you know, $80 a day on, on, on Centrelink? Uh, no, we, obviously, we, we care about poor people, but we can't say anything because the Murdoch press will attack us. We, we've got we to <laughs> hide. Can't talk about climate change we uh, want in terms to- of, like, concrete policy. Can't talk, can't talk about this, can't talk about that. And then suddenly, like, oh, brown people, though. Oh, they should, they should go to hell! Here she is. <laughs> they the have Murdoch to go to hell! Press, in the Murdoch press, being like, racism, locking out brown people, pretty sick, eh? They figured out the secret to getting the Murdoch press to like them is being racist fucks. But whose votes are you trying to win there? <laughs> Surely... Like, look, we know the Labor Party sucks, but, like, if KKK cared about this so much, surely she'd want to leave Peter Dutton enough room to move on it. She wouldn't want to wedge him or pressure him. She'd want to take a step back and allow him to do the right thing so they can support it. Yeah, it's fine. And this is the thing whether we, we come back to regularly of, like, ah, it might suck. But they need it to win votes, and then once the Labor Party get in, hmm. things will be different. Like, how the fuck am I supposed to vote for the Labor Party if KKK is running things about like I'm going to be worse than Dutton? Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> no, I'm not voting for you. Sorry, I'm not voting for you bef- before you get in. I'm not going to let you get in on this platform and then hope that you don't enact the platform you're telling me you will before I fucking vote for you. Hey, vote Mitch, Greens. Though. They just said they'd outflank the LNP on the right to get the racists on board. Um, oh, so <laughs> don't don't you also want to get on board with the party that's courting racists? It's called a big tent, Lang. Okay, it's a big tent full of racists. <laughs> don't you love it when you go to like a circus and there's a big tent? And half of it is just the worst fuckheads ever. You're like, well, I'm glad there was room in this tent for me too. No, you got to find a different fucking tent. This clown makeup is a bit outdated. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Good one, Labour. Oy, 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 oy. Shoutouts this week. Uh, we were talking about a lot of um, neoliberalism stuff earlier, and this is not a, a, a recent episode, but the podcast Citations Needed did a a really good episode about uh, GDP, gross domestic product, and like oh. how that is sort of the root of a lot of the world's yeah. evils um, mm. that heavily informs my understanding of a lot of that stuff. Really, really good episode. Um, just uh, if you wanted to hear more about that particular topic, um, they they do a really, really good job of... of um, Talking about that, so I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, and you should go and give that a listen. Yeah, nice. That's that's definitely informed my thinking on like the economy and stuff as well. I uh, I listened to a good podcast while we're talking about podcasts about uh, why NFTs are shit. So <laughs> hopefully, none of you out there think NFTs are good, and if you do think they're good, <laughs> they're shit. <laughs> <laughs> What was the podcast wow. like? Yeah, what was the podcast? Uh, I don't remember. I'm going to have to find out. <laughs> Fucking <you're> like, hell. <laughs> <laughs> We're still recording, dude. We're not just... <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was two hours long. NFTs oh, are the, shit. Was it the Folding Ideas one? Oh, yeah. It was the video. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so well, I Dan like- Olsen of Folding Ideas put a video out that uh, Lang just had playing in the background and thought it was a podcast. But it, I also listened to that yesterday, uh, but with my eyes as well. And it was really good. I'll put a link to that as well. I've got another shout out for something, a podcast that was on YouTube that was visual. Uh, Tom Tanaki has a really, really good uh, series on uh, Australian sovereign citizen movement and how 
cooked it all is. Uh, part one is up now. It's an hour long and it's fucking great. It's. Oh. I want to shout out Tanaki as well. Like his work is getting like deeply funny in a mm. way that comes <laughs> from someone like finding their voice and their confidence. He has so many, like the way that this Sovereign Citizen video unfolds has some really good subtle foreshadowing and some callbacks and like he's like- his work has always been great at exposing kooks and being like extremely lefty, politically driven, all that sort of stuff. But the humor in his work is so fucking good. It's Moorish and I love it. So go go check out uh, Tom Tanaki's stuff on the uh, on the YouTube. He's I, absolutely. I will. <laughs> I, I, I know what I'm doing with my afternoon now. That's awesome. <laughs> I've just been playing Bloodborne, which is kind of like a podcast that you listen to with your eyes and uh, thanks again for listening to it and to interact with your thumbs. It's pronounced Shout out to Bloodborne, everyone. It's pronounced Bloodbin. <laughs> thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. Please share us far and wide with everyone you think who would enjoy us or who definitely needs to fucking hear it. Um, you can find us on the socials at NotGoodPod or send us an email, NotGoodPod at ProtonMail.com. Not Good Enough records on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, we want to pay our respects to their ancestors and elders and to point out yet again, uh, this is stolen land. <laughs>